0: you're now listening to
1: the sound of oh brother what are you listening to the sound of
0: global espionage
1: <laughs> the sound of global espionage and it sounds like sounds like nothing that's exactly it sounds like what it nothing sounds like. yeah you just heard it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's espionage on the level of overthrowing the patriarchy oh well kind that, of. that
1: global espionage has been going on for a couple hundred years now yeah yeah and yeah. is doing, doing well kind of coming out of the out of the shadows Man boy is it boy is it boy is it well, you know <laughs> I don't think we can I don't know our brains are fried folks, if it seems like this banter isn't up to our usual standards it's
0: because I think you'll we'll be forgiven I hope <laughs> <laughs> we might be we might not be. we did just watch a powerful patriarch with a network of global operatives get taken down and uh it kind of takes the it kind of takes your inner patriarch down a few pegs yeah 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 when when your inner your inner woman abusing thug
1: yeah we've all got it if we could all control thousands of women to create a shadow government boy howdy we'd do it we'd do it obviously that's what we men do unless we're buffoons that suck at life those are kind of the two types of I guess there's three types of men. There's buffoons that suck at life. There's monstrous patriarchs that want to destroy life. And there's faceless thugs.
0: (laughs) Well, don't forget about all the versions of those guys that pretend to be, actually, I think it's the buffoons. Mm -hmm. They, They like to pretend to be Competent fathers, <laughs> but we all know they're just buffoons. Oh man, I guess we should let people
1: in on the conversation. We're talking today about Black Widow, the latest piece of schlock from Marvel Studios.
0: Oh, no kidding. Oh uh, boy. Okay. Well, Ben,
1: what expectations did you have for, for this film going into it?
0: That it would be a dull piece of schlock. Mm-hmm. I feel like it lived up to those expectations. The trailers weren't very interesting. It and and also the movie in its marketing and and in, in its everything it felt like an afterthought. It felt
1: yeah, I know. And uh, where this is not an original thought with us but it's very yeah. true. This 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 movie felt very perfunctory like ah, you know, we can we can do a sort of a victory lap and collect a few hundred million dollars or whatever that's not even money now whatever is money we can collect some money whatever (laughs) constitutes money these days and get a little feminist cred by doing our second i guess this is their second i've I've been thinking this is their first (laughs) full-length female action schlock fest but they did do captain marvel right which which i will say this movie quite a bit better than captain marvel wow did you see Captain Marvel? Never did. Oh man, you're missing out. I know you're missing out. Maybe well, you'll see it sometime. Scarlett Johansson's a much more appealing performer than Brie Larson, so this movie's got that.
0: No kidding. Well, I suppose at any time a major picture studio can make a few hundred million dollars on the the back of its female coat, female star and her <laughs> her brand. That <laughs> they ought to do that.
1: Well, you're making an analogy, like (laughs) as if Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh and all them are actually kind of like subservient, brainwashed, (laughs) 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 Black Widow (laughs) type
0: (laughs) individuals. That's not fair.
1: Well, well, um, I I am actually going to argue that even more stringently a little bit later in the podcast. I, I think it's entirely fair. And I think Scarlett Johansson is a perfect case study. And I think it really affects her performance in this film actually but we'll talk about that so there's a little little teaser i dare say that's better than any of the teasers for black Black widow Widow. it is But i remember so my expectations for this movie were oh scarlett johansson's flying through the air (sighs) and there's like cgi debris they like they put her in a green screen harness that's basically what those trailers told me that's right which told me not to be interested i'm not a cgi hater i like cgi when it's used well But boy, am I tired of the Marvel factory flying through air CGI debris scene of which we've seen. Let's count them. Can we count them? (laughs) (laughs) I
0: don't know if we can. So the first Avenger, it didn't really have that. The the original, not
1: Captain America, the first Avenger, but but the first Avengers movie. No, no,
0: no. I meant Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay.
1: So we're going chronologically. (laughs) We're, we're, We're
0: going all the way back. I don't think it had that.
1: You know, it probably had a collapsing fortress. It,
0: it did, but it was like, it was actually a little classier. Yeah. You don't have to think it's a good movie to realize that some of the ways that things were done, like the CG, it was it was just a little classier. Hey, the director of that movie made one of the great debris
1: falling through the air uh, climactic movies, which he is did. The Rocketeer. Yep. Which I dare say is a much better debris falling through the air. It's way better. Although it's got some objectionable content, so you didn't hear that from me, listener. But <laughs> it's a fun movie. Okay, so that's that's Captain America, the first Avenger. I don't think Edward Norton's The Hulk has a lot of falling debris.
0: Oh man, still haven't ever seen that, but no, no falling debris. Thor, not really. Thor movies we can we can exempt. They just don't really do quite that. No, they're a little different. But Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, one Ooh. of the one of the classic
1: one of the the templates oh, for debris falling CGI debris falling through the air while people fight on airships. Oh my goodness! Like how many? fights on airships do we
0: need to see marvel i don't know a lot apparently well yeah a lot well avengers
1: also avengers has
0: although that one was fun but still
1: yeah i'm not saying that they're all bad i'm just saying how many there's a lot of how many airship fights have we seen so avengers for sure winter soldier winter soldier for sure um
0: this (laughs) this there's gotta be something else
1: oh there's more there's more let's see
0: not civil war
1: not civil war not so much Surely somewhere in the Infinity Duology oh, there's Oh
0: yeah 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 you have that well, you have a scene that's kind of like that of uh Spider-Man saving the Avengers after Thanos does that thing to the planet and remember on in the in the last battle in Infinity War Spider-Man saving the Avengers they're, after- they're like all flying through the air because Thanos unleashed his power ring and there's like debris everywhere yes, 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 Spider-Man's yes, yes. wing. that has a very it's a very similar thing yes yes it is yes. almost the same thing
1: also kind of in the on the b side of that you have Iron Man, which a great scene actually. You have Iron Man three, where he saves the people falling from the plane. Oh well, yeah, which is an awesome scene. But it is an awesome I, still, scene. I think it may, might still count as mm-hmm. CGI falling scenes.
0: It okay, I, I give you that. Although,
1: actually, I believe they actually had a para people with parachutes perform that. Oh, but then they CGI'd in a bunch of stuff, so it's it felt true. it felt like CGI. Yeah, <laughs> which is a, one of Marvel's great tricks. it's pretty great what else what else has there been i think captain marvel has some some stuff like that i believe it i don't know they like i want to say maybe one of the guardians movies those movies certainly have and Mm -hmm. those movies are very artful in the action department yeah but but they definitely have some stuff like that they definitely have the cgi guardians Two, maybe in the guardians Two, the planet the ego planet is being Mm -hmm. destroyed and end of guardians one like glenn glenn close's Urban utopia planet is yeah yeah that's being destroyed. True, that's and there's true. a lot of debris falling uh, through the air
0: into the Spider Verse. It's like a whole flying debris scene against Kingpin. Yeah, again, but, very artful and stuff. But yeah,
1: yeah, acceptable. Well, Spider Man, uh, the latest Tom Holland one has kind of a debris scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's good. Right, it's fine. Right. But you know, Jake Gyllenhaal comes after him, and Spider Man has to navigate his way through a thick sea of debris or and robots drones. or drones. That's right. Or, that's right. Or something, yeah.
0: Oh, very oh we true. we didn't
1: even name them. One of the main ones. Uh-oh. Sokovia, or is it Sokovia? No, it's not Sokovia. Oh, that's uh, Age Ultron. Of Ultron. Ultron. He oh goodness, literally lifts a giant piece of the earth, and then that is like the ultimate. We didn't even think of the Ultron meant. You're welcome, listener.
0: All right, good falling giant debris. Falling debris, scene. debris scene. That that
1: movie, like the whole climactic scene, is about. Can we stop? this giant piece of falling debris debris. (laughs) (laughs) and and there's a lot of anyway, they really like that. So all of that to say, I saw the trailer for this and I'm like, Oh, they, they have Scarlett Johansson who, as far as I'm aware, has no superpowers in this universe. Maybe she's been got a CRM or two, you know, a a little bit sub sub captain. No, No, she's just a well-trained soldier lady. That's right. And, but yet she like Iron Man, like cap, like Hulk, can navigate a giant field of falling debris falling debris yeah pretty cool too and and i'm not a stickler for that kind of thing if it's done well again i mean i i like peter jackson movies for crying out loud i like i like the barrel scene in (laughs) that schlocky (laughs) hobbit movie (laughs) i like that kind of stuff you know just the, the the bigger bigger can be better but bigger is only better when it's done by somebody who, even as bad of a visionary as Peter Jackson, can sometimes pull off some entertaining, bigger is better type stuff.
0: Oh, uh, of course he can.
1: But, you know, I mean, at least he had, you can call it bad taste, which is a pun because I think Peter Jackson made a movie called Bad Taste early in his career. But, you know, He's gonna have. Hey, if Legolas can surf on a shield, he can take down a whole oliphant, <laughs> which, isn't, which isn't a good decision, <laughs> but, but there's definitely <laughs> there's something there's a work. mind at work there. <laughs> <laughs> there is a mind at work there. <laughs>
0: oh man! Uh,
1: but so. One thing to say about these movies, the sort of factory mentality, and James Gunn just talked about this, actually. They asked him what the difference was between doing a Guardians movie and doing this DC property that he's doing, Suicide Squad. And he said, the difference is Kevin Feige was always in the editing room. And he said, DC, just let me do what I want. But Marvel is a much more of an assembly line. And I think you can really see that in the similarity of the action scenes, especially like they'll get somebody like Gunn or even, I dare say, the Russo brothers, or, Hmm. you know, they'll get people who have a little bit of vision and and, (laughs) no pun intended again, and they'll let them kind of bring that to the party. But the other thing that they do is hire someone who has no eye or affinity for action. Let's say a Kenneth Branagh or a this lady that directed... Avengers, you know they they hire indie directors basically.
0: (laughs) The weave their magic, Wanda, over it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. And and then I don't know how much these people even really have to do with the action scenes. Like the the final giant Scarlett Johansson flies through the air action scene in this thing is so generic. It just do people know what previs is? Is that a a term that we can just
0: No, I think you should explain it. So pre-visualization
1: is something that's done on all your major CGI tentpole movies, computer-generated image, if you're really a noob. Uh, And what they'll do is they'll just generate a CGI environment and then they'll cut together the scene just using blocky, bad CGI. Hmm. And so you'll have a bunch of CGI guys think, oh, what do we want to have? What's the big climax? And they'll get together and they'll storyboard it. It's kind of like a moving, computer-generated storyboard. And because you're going to be spending millions of dollars on these cgi effects you need to plan them ahead of time and so you can't just have you know some visionary indie director go in and be like well i think i'll put my camera there no you got to plan it for years and years which you can still you know somebody who's good who's who's like just a master special effects person like a a director that's just good at it these days james gunn is one
0: james gunn is one brian singer's pretty good brian singer
1: pretty gross dude but yes true mm-hmm.
0: guy Ritchie, guy you Ritchie. yeah the people like
1: that can still bring personality to it but it's much harder to bring personality to a big cgi scene because you have to do it over the course of we're going to plan this like two years before the special effects guys finish it and so what a lot of times you'll see like in this movie is there's just this big long generic personality personality less scene of of cgi schlock
0: an exploding fortress explosion here explosion there
1: CGI Scarlett Johansson here like literally probably the director had a couple days with the actresses in front of a green screen and they just went ah ooh ah and you know did some reaction shots and then you and then you plug them in and that's that's all the director and that's all the actors brought any personality to bear and with a kind of a factory line like Marvel you will actually have Feige and his brain trust supervising the creation of these scenes before a director even comes in so you really have to be a James Gunn to say I'm going to exert my will and my personality to make this have some personality which is why Ben you want to tell him what you said about the Rusu brothers before We started this podcast. Uh,
0: Oh, oh, the Russo. I I said that this movie makes you appreciate the Russo brothers.
1: And then I laughed, I sneered and (laughs) laughed derisively and said, that tells you everything you need to
0: know. Because the Russo brothers are on the generic side of competence, let's just say.
1: Well, their whole style is, it's a little bit more uh, what they call in film is school, a verite. It's a little bit more documentary. But that's such a, that's such a.
0: They're not really the Bourne films are more like a documentary style. The first three, right?
1: But the Russo brothers kind of they they want to evoke a little bit of that, like especially in um, Winter Soldier, and then weirdly in the opening of Civil War. Civil War, but then they kind of just abandon it because right because they're hacks that don't care, in my humble opinion. But true, and I will admit that the action scenes in Civil War, or no in um, Winter Soldier were pretty fun and felt, yep. felt fresh at the time. Yep, but. So yeah, all of that to say, my expectations for this movie were that, that it was going to be completely generic and probably it was going to hate me. And I think both of those expectations were fulfilled somewhat. It was maybe a little bit more interesting than I was expecting, which we'll talk about.
0: But yeah. Yeah.
1: Maybe. I don't know. I mean, this is this is a weird time in marvel right history right now they finished up their big phase they got into Hmm. the tv game and they're
0: setting up this and that big thing in the tv game right and i'm not sure what if
1: jake jake's good at jake jake comes from the world of speculating about sports which i think is pretty helpful sometimes in speculating about the business side of movies i i i'm not sure exactly what purpose this movie serves i mean there's a little credit cookie 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 that sets up something at the end but well okay i can think of a couple things it sets up florence Pugh to be the Mm -hmm. new sort of scarlet joe soldier lady soldier lady Mm -hmm. which is fine and uh, she's a much more appealing soldier lady than brie larson could ever be in terms Mm -hmm. of keeping women invested and men Mm -hmm. because i don't think in their heart of hearts i'm just gonna sexistly uh, stereotype here. I don't think women like Captain Marvel. I don't think anybody likes Brie Larson. She's so hard-edged and nasty and just not an appealing person at all. (laughs) Although she was before she she got woke, actually. I mean, she was probably always woke, but she used to be kind of a fun comedic presence and little indie things, but then she decided she was Captain Marvel.
0: Hmm.
1: Anyway, you need a warm female presence in these franchises and scarlett johansson was that her character's dead so we're setting up florence Pugh to be and florence Pugh plays scarlett johansson's little sister if you haven't seen the movie but you have seen the trailers she's like she's the other main character in this movie and she's kind of cute you know she's a fun fun
0: little character yeah she's fun
1: fun little character how's that for a pat on the head man so patronizing Mm -hmm. so a big picture Maybe this movie would have felt... I think this movie actually feels more exciting coming now because we had a year of COVID and no Marvel movies. Yeah, that's probably true. I kind of feel like it would have been more lost in the shuffle if it had come a year ago.
0: Yeah, but there's just not... I don't know. There's just not much to it. It doesn't really do anything. It already... It's Most of its possibilities feel closed off because it happens in between other movie Avengers stories. Right. And I don't know. It's not like it... Well, we'll talk about this, but what does it really add to the character of Black Widow? What does it make you care about?
1: Not a lot that you didn't already get done decently that's, well in the Avengers movies, that's actually. Right. Yep. Like Just having her share a little scene that Joss Whedon wrote where she's like, I feel guilty, and, yep. you know, uh, what's-his-face Jeremy Renner's like, yep. you shouldn't! Probably more powerful than anything. Not that that scene was great in whatever Avengers movie it happened no, in. that's and, the
0: first one. I uh, But... Better. I have read in my ledger, which yeah. they reference here in this yeah. script in a way that is dumb.
1: Well, let's talk our way through this movie a little bit. Let's talk about the plot and the, the dramatic structure and... Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Here's the first thing to say. This movie has a fantastic... Of credit where credit's due, I think this movie had maybe the best first 10 minutes of any Marvel movie. Yep. I, I might be willing to... Let me, let me think for a second. Is there a Marvel movie with a better first 10 minutes than this piece of crap.
0: I don't think so. (laughs) I can't think of anything.
1: I was, I mean, I knew the movie was going to let me down, but the first 10 minutes were ruling so completely that I didn't care. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to settle back and enjoy this little mini movie because this is a great mini movie. And while I do not trust the movie to go anywhere good with it, I trust this little mini movie to probably be pretty good. And so I'm just going to give myself to the movie for a second. And it's great. It's great. It involves the story of, so you start in this idyllic little Midwest, Midwest American town. And Natasha is 10 years old, something like that, her little sister and they're playing and it evokes kind of suburbia about as well as I've seen a movie do in a while, maybe since the Spielberg days. I mean, I know I'm, I'm being what sounds like hyperbolic, but I thought the scene was great. And then, you know, danger invades little suburbia and our happy family is actually Russian agents or whatever mm-hmm. they are. That's right. And they have to go on the run and it's all very tactile and very real and very scary and very emotional. And you've got David Harbour and Rachel Weiss playing the parents and they're both terrific. Yep. And you know, you've got David Harbor coming home and you know, trying to act play it cool, but Rachel Weiss immediately knows their cover's been blown or whatever it is. The details mm-hmm. don't even matter, mm-hmm. but it just evokes that kind of paranoid, you know, paranoia and something dark, you know, invading suburbia kind of feel really well. Yep. And it's great. And it's 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 a wonderful I don't know anything to add about it's actually got some good action
0: it does yeah it has pro- it has the best action in the movie as they try to escape on this in this plane from cop cars and David Harbour's trying to snipe the cop cars as they and it's accelerate all, it's all very
1: I mean it's it's bigger than most movies but for a Marvel movie it's all very tactile and very strange very small scale small scale yep and therefore very relatable and exciting and
0: yeah it was pretty great is pretty great,
1: yeah. And and then it goes into a cheap but terribly effective. What's the cliche that you, where where you take like a pop song and then you have the like the little little girl chorus or whatever the female chorus sing the pop song. And in this yeah, case, it's yeah. entertain us, uh, nirvana. entertain us, Nirvana. And you have that over a credit sequence that tells the entire story of the mm-hmm. Red Room and Natasha being brainwashed. And it's all yep really effective. Like it'd be a great beginning for. A good movie.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, it really would. It really would. But after that, it's all downhill. I mean... Fast. It's downhill fast. The competency of the movie is downhill fast. Uh, the details of the plot and the relationships and the reason why things are happening and what's actually happening are all pretty sketchy. hmm And, I mean, they really are just sketched in. Right. With the barest effort. I It just... I don't know. Stuff happens. There's still a red room. There's still bad guys controlling it. Natasha thought she killed the guy. She was wrong. She
1: thought she killed an innocent person when she killed the guy. And we just we we tell the audience that and spend maybe three seconds. We we don't really like lean into the emotion. Like Like the way a competent movie would do it is you can imagine like the opening scene. Natasha has this tense, difficult decision. She can kill the baddest person that ever lived but she has to take out this innocent you know this guy's daughter or whatever and she has to make the choice and is she gonna make the choice and then she says blow the thing or whatever you know you can imagine a good movie really making you feel it but this movie not only try it's not that it tries and fails it's just it doesn't it doesn't really try it
0: doesn't really know where to it doesn't know what to do actually mm-hmm. what the director understood was that first 10 minutes i think and then she was just trying to hold it together and really i mean the movie goes along and it introduces plot stuff and then you have the, the family reuniting, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like a fake family because they were all just Russian spies. Yeah, so I guess- No from... biological relationship. And you have it, you know, you have the family reunite and then they go on the big mission together. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a clear dramatic structure. It's not bad. It's fun. No, but it's
1: very perfunctory and yeah. you never don't know exactly where you are in the formula. And you know that ScarJo is going to survive and you know that none of her ultimately cuddly- family are probably going to die and yeah there's not there's just not not a lot of there and not a lot of personality it really like it feels like the director put all of her personality into that opening scene which is very you know a lot of slow motion and just like intentionally framed shots and stuff and then it was different like you go through that wonderful credit sequence and then suddenly you're in shaky cam close-ups It's like the editing style is actually suddenly, ah, we're just grabbing coverage. We're just uh, making sure we have enough footage to tell the generic story.
0: I I would give the director some more credit from time to time. I would say that she she absorbed some things about how to film stuff, and she watched the Bourne movies, Mm -hmm. and she was trying to craft scenes, and at various times, she kind of succeeds. But she's not, she doesn't ultimately succeed. She's not as good as Paul Greengrass or, right, what's his name, who directed the first one, and Doug Lyman. And then, and of course, like we already talked about, the whole movie succumbs visually mm-hmm. to this previs just CGI fest. Generic. But not yeah. just in the final scene, on multiple occasions. Basically,
1: about halfway through once you have any action scene maybe even that's being generous but it is being generous at least two-thirds of this movie anytime you go to an action scene it's just like did anyone actually care besides the cgi guys that storyboarded this like months ago there's there's scarlett johansson doesn't actually get to show off that much like i assume she trained and Maybe she didn't. Maybe she's just getting a little long in the tooth for it and she she would rather there be like generic car scenes and stuff and explosion scenes where she doesn't have to do kung fu. But We didn't get anything on the level of that stupid not that it's a great scene but that stupid sexy scene in uh, Iron Man 2 or, mm-hmm. or the famous she breaks the chair scene, her introduction in Avengers. You don't really get the kung fu Scarlett Johansson no. trained for this equivalent.
0: There's, there's not. That's not helped by CGI, and it's not helped by the fast editing. I'm going to mimic Jason Bourne editing style, mm. which, which makes it harder to show off that kind of thing. Right. You have to know exactly what you're doing if you're going to use that style yes. <laughs> to show something off. Man, we we've talked about this a million
1: times in both off uh, mic yeah, and on yeah, mic. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I just want to say though, I'll give credit to where credit is due. The Bourne movies are. Really good at putting you in the mindset of I can't tell what's going on and this is crazy and it's but you can always actually tell what's going on because That's it's right. done really well and the, the shots and are, the shots are chosen really precisely and the thing that I always say about the Bourne movies is they influenced a generation of morons to cut to just ah throw the footage in a blender and uh, tell the sound effects guys to do some sounds that'll be good <laughs> and the worst offender is Christopher Nolan and the worst movie is Batman Begins which has horrible, boring and disappointing oh, action scenes.
0: Oh, man. But does it ever? Anyway, and but
1: then like a whole slew of B Jason Statham movies and stuff that just
0: Even JJ Abrams making garbage making some garbage scenes in Mission Impossible and Star Trek. He also threw footage in blender sometimes. Yeah. Until he stopped more or less doing that. Yeah, he was at least He's just a com- he's just a mimic. I yeah, mean, yeah,
1: he became semi... he
0: He's a high budget mimic.
1: He competently aped the fact that Star Wars is higher quality once he had to do a couple Star Wars movies
0: well I mean I don't know otherwise it really does this movie just feels stitched together together hmm and I think it's clear the director hoped that she could tell an actual story about a fake family becoming a real family but right the conceit is that there that
1: David Harbour Rachel Weiss I never know whether it's Weiss, I guess. Right? I guess it's really Weiss. We'll say yeah. Weiss for the sake of the podcast. So, it, and uh, the Scarlett Johansson character and the Florence Pugh character, they were the, the daughters, and uh, Harbor and Weiss were the parents, and they're, they had this little idyllic life, but it was all a lie. And when we get to the central section, the central dramatic portion of the movie, all of our characters are hiding out in a farmhouse, and they're going to litigate, as I like to say, whether there was any family connection where we were just all playing our part. And the daughters are like, it wasn't a part to us. And, you know, that's the big. Right, right. And the dad's like, I was bored because I was on mission and I had to, like, hang out with little girls and stuff. And who cares? I wanted to be fighting Captain America. Uh-huh. And, you know, I actually, I'm trying to decide whether I like that. Like, is there a good version of that plot?
0: Probably there is. There is a good version of the plot. What it? Okay, this is a really weird pull. But have if you've seen *The Darjeeling Limited* mm-hmm. by Wes Anderson, I have a long time ago. Then the whole movie is like this brother going to reunite with his brothers or whatever. Or no, it's that's right. They start out their brothers, their dads just died. They're going to find their mom. Mm. I got it wrong. It's been a while. It's been a long time. And they go and and they have all this baggage and they find their mom and she like acts like their mom and puts them to bed and they have this really kind of touching scene and you're like, not sure entirely what's going on with the mom, but it's kind of sweet. And then in the morning, she's gone off and abandoned them again. Mm -hmm. Like she's just gone. Right. And it's like, well, (laughs) that didn't work. And so this movie made me think of something like that. Like, could you have pulled off a version where actually the most you're going to get is something really bittersweet?
1: Well, let me compare it to another Wes Anderson movie, uh, *The Royal Tenenbaums*, yep. which has that beautiful moment where uh, Royal Tenenbaum never cared about his family and he abandoned them, and he 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 basically led them all into ruination. And then he's he he got sick and he's come back and he's been pretending to care about them, and then he's lying and saying, "I care about you, I care about you." And then the narrator said says something like, "As soon as he told the lie." he thought about it and realized it was true. I'm butchering the scene. Uh-huh. I'm butchering the huh. scene. But the idea is you had a dad, you have a dad who we can clearly track throughout the movie actually was a jerk, actually didn't care, had a selfish reason to then pretend to care and then came to really care. All of which is an interesting mm-hmm. story that can be told. Problem with this movie is A, it's just not clear, it's just not well written. B, I think it's 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 immoral. I think It's fascinating talking about movies and books and things like that. How often good morality goes with good storytelling? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's just they're pretty much one to one. But it's like because they never took the time to responsibly sort out the morality, the the story is confusing and doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. Like, are we saying that David Tennant actually cared? Harbor, Harbor, sorry, not David (laughs) Tennant. (laughs) Have I said Tennant already? Different actor. Yeah, yeah, not not. Are we saying that David Harbor actually really cared? And then was distracted. You know, what story are we telling here? Did Rachel Weiss actually care? And the mm-hmm. movie ostensibly has answers to all those questions. Yeah, but, but it, it doesn't, really doesn't. But it really doesn't. You never really, from scene to scene, you're like, okay, I know what you're trying to do here. But you never really feel like you know who these characters are. And, and I think it's a moral problem as much as anything. Because the movie doesn't actually know what, what a dad is, what a mom is what a daughter is. Like because it can't actually define those things. And when it tries to define, for example, a father, it feels the need to mock it. It's it's pretty hard to get a lock on what the movie's even saying, what the dramatic structure actually even is. It's like, do we believe in fathers and therefore it's disappointing when fathers disappoint us? Right. Or do we just think the whole idea of fatherhood is a joke and therefore who really cares? The movie wants to have it both ways which is I,
0: what what i what i found is actually i think i mean i think i think the movie does want there to be real families and i actually found it weird how conservative and patriarchal it was mm-hmm. i mean maybe this is skipping ahead but goodness it's like all the girls really wanted was for their dad to, to be their real dad and their mom to be their real mom and they wanted to be able to be normal little girls and grow up and be moms right that's actually i mean i feel like that's actually a stronger message of the movie than Smash the Evil Patriarchy.
1: Well, imagine though... If, and that's weird. Well, it's it's because Marvel wants to make money, which means they need some semblance of a storyline that people can invest in. And the way to make people invest in a story is have universal themes, not themes that are on the margins of human experience, but themes that are central to human experience. I mean, thats uh, I'll never forget reading an article by James Cameron or Kenneth Turin's Famously, the critic, Los Angeles Times critic, did not like Titanic because it told a generic love story about... And James Cameron said, dude, I had a $200 million ship sinking movie and you wanted me to tell a story on the margins of human experience? No, I want to tell a story that everybody can relate to. Young Mm -hmm. love. And I think... Any commercial filmmaker is the same way. Marvel certainly the same way. Yeah. They, they want a story we can all relate to. And they know we all have a longing for family. We all have a longing for dads, for moms, for sisters, for brothers, for that stuff. So they can't really get away from it. But then they constantly undermine themselves by mocking those those very ideas. And so a big part of the movie's humor is David Harbour playing the father figure who in the first, that opening 10 minutes seems like this really great, like, father figure. Well,
0: which 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 also makes his turning over his little fake daughters to the Red Room a genuine and vile betrayal, right? Yeah, 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 it feels it, really it, devastating. It makes it that, but it, but the movie never handles it like an actual vile betrayal, like the dad betraying his family and making his girls into prostitutes for the state. It doesn't do that. Right, next time we meet him,
1: he's basically a joke. Yeah, and he never stops being a joke, not really. I right. mean, there's scene after scene of him trying to connect, trying to apologize, and then the joke will always be that like the earpiece was turned off or the character wasn't paying attention or we're interrupted by an action scene. The movie actually never gives him the dignity of the non-punchline scene like that. And yeah, we just we we don't actually have the movie wants to trade on the feelings of fatherlessness and father hunger, but then the father figure is a total buffoon. I mean, imagine the emotion you'd get out of this movie if you just did the simple, obvious thing of having David Harbour actually save his daughters at some point.
0: And maybe die for them. And or maybe something. die for them. Well, it's also that he's he's neither he's not he's not weighty enough for the betrayal to count as a real betrayal. Yeah, you can't even really hate him. You're not allowed That's to right. say,
1: We believed so much in you that we now despise you.
0: We're not allowed to feel that. Yeah, it's not even like what you did was totally evil. It's like, well, what you did was bad and we're all kind of broken. And right. And you're a buffoon anyway. It'd be one thing if this
1: movie just said, we hate fathers. Yeah. And fathers betray us and fathers are stupid. That's one message. Not a good one, but a coherent one. Yeah. And then the other message is fathers are great. Fathers protect us. Fathers save us.
0: Well, but 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 the thing is that both of those messages would trade off the weight of fathers, right? And right. You can't give fathers too much weight, so you give them all the weight you want in the opening ten minutes, but then when it comes time to like call him on his moral failures, well, you gesture towards that a little, mm-hmm. but you don't really, because if you do, you're actually propping up <laughs> the patriarchy, right? Right. I'm not. Sh- I'm not saying this is all conscious decisions by the filmmaker. I'm just saying. If you're going to write a story about women creating their own destiny and getting out from under the thumb of men who just want to use them like puppets, then what you don't do is make the most important relationship in the film, a father-daughter relationship where the father and his failures and successes define your life. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that and be consistent with your own worldview. And it's not even that you think about this consciously as a scriptwriter or as a studio. Although maybe some people involved in this movie did, I'm not clear that they're that smart. But I hope I hope that this the people understand what I'm saying. I'm saying you can't have both in the same universe. Either fathers have all of that meaning and weight or they don't. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to use if you're going to use the idea of real fatherhood in one scene, you, you you can't let it define the main dramatic tension of the movie in other scenes. Right because that's not what your movie is about that's not what black widow represents she represents liberated women who kick butt without needing fathers right
1: uh, and and captain marvel is a great counterpoint to this because i think captain marvel was much more of a true feminist movie and that fathers were just irrelevant the one kind right. of the one kind huh. of male authority figure is first a liar and then a bad guy and then ultimately a buffoon uh, which is the jude law character spoiler sorry to ruin captain marvel for you no, no. other than that we just kind of ignore I guess Samuel L. Jackson's in there you know kind of playing the mentor but he's kind of goofy in that movie and uh, nothing. It's what I've always said and I'm sure smarter people than me have said about something like The Simpsons Um, The Simpsons for 30 years has propped it up, propped up the notion that fatherhood actually is a thing that is full of weight and dignity because why else would it be funny to see Homer Simpson fail at it <laughs> week after week, year after year. Uh-huh. If we as a culture actually believed fathers were just nothing, then- You don't need Homer. You don't need Homer. There's nothing to joke about. There's right. nothing to joke about fathers. are just nothing, who cares? But every time Homer falls on his face or gets hit in the crotch, we laugh. I mean, I'm being hyperbolic here, but you know what I mean? We laugh because, oh yeah, that's not supposed to happen to fathers. Yeah. Fathers are actually weighty and dignified. Yeah. And so what I was going to say about Captain Marvel is Captain Marvel successfully kind of just skirted the issue, pun uh, fully intended. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Pantsed the issue, I should say. There (laughs) we go.
0: That means pulled down the pants. (laughs) That's not the right verb. Hey, maybe it is the right verb. (laughs) Okay, all right. Captain
1: Marvel pantsed the issue or skirted the issue or something like that. Also, Captain Marvel, you know, it made money and everything, but people did not like that character. People did not, you know, (laughs) middle America... Was not ready to get on board with having their values that thoroughly mocked and belittled, and so a movie like Black Widow has to have its cake and eat it too, and it makes for poor dramatic structure. It makes for poor emotion evoking,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know there's probably a smarter, more subversive way to to have your cake and eat it too because Hollywood can be very. You know, someone like Steven Spielberg is very good at having his key cake hmm. and eating it too but <sighs> this movie is not very thoughtful in the way that it attempts to no it's like uh, well we were mocking father's last scene but now we want you to feel the emotion of not having something that we were two minutes ago saying is stupid and you shouldn't really even want to have
0: it but it's still I think it does still end up feeling like a pro father movie in some weird way
1: yeah uh, because it's un- inescapable if you're gonna deal with it I think God's set up the universe in such a way yeah. that it's pretty hard it's pretty hard not to.
0: I mean, it. It's more like at the end, what you'd have to do is, I don't know. You just have to have. He'd a have father. to betray them
1: again. Like if if he if That's David right. Harbor was the actual villain. That's right. Now there's an interesting movie. There's a movie that really hates me. Yes. And that maybe I could. I, I don't think I'd like it, but no. it would be interesting.
0: <laughs> right. David Harbor betrays them again, and they have to kill him or let him die or something. Yeah. Or...
1: Kill your father. Come on, we could all. But <laughs> but guess what? That would feel really hateful. It's it's yeah. fascinating. This movie. They don't even so so the bad guy this boring generic bad guy he's had, he it's like, it's like a James Bond plot or or, or like right. not even a James Bond but one of the ripoffs if people know like Matt Helm or something like that it's it's it, this guy is controlling women and he all but has microchips in their head so that they uh-huh, they're like programmed uh-huh. to do his bidding right and any feminist movie worth its salt is gonna give you the the controls fail the women. Gain sentience and then they beat the crap out of him. They kill the crap out of him. But instead, he dies in an explosion. (laughs) And I I think, again, it's the movie saying, you know what? Actually, our audience doesn't want to see the patriarchy that thoroughly dismantled. People like Nathan and Ben buy tickets and they're going to feel bad if we too strongly say, you're the Ray Winstone character. And then we have a bunch of little girls (laughs) beat you to death. Like, we don't want to be that subversive, and we understand even giving you the easy feminist thing there would be a little bit too subversive. So, we're going to pull back. We're going to do the same plot point, you know. Right. But we're not going to just do it. And this movie is a fascinating set of – it's not fascinating enough to actually watch, don't get me wrong. But if you have to watch it for a podcast (laughs) – Or if you
0: already did. Or
1: if you already did, it's a fascinating set of contradictions, which as Ben's been saying, ultimately come out to kind of a pro-family –
0: in its own weird and boring way. In its own weird and boring way. <laughs> it, it, I mean, okay. Well, one, one other sexual politics note in this movie that I that it, that's been on my brain, and I just, I just noticed it in both scenes where you have the two or three scenes where you have that actor who's Scar Jo's, You know, what would you call him? He's her. He's he's the dude who finds stuff for her. He gets her a plane. He gets her a house. He's he like gets her, her cue or her.
1: He's like the guy that's standing in the airplane hangar like that's I got right. you,
0: you know. I, know. I got you, I got you this, you know, you you hire me to do a job mm-hmm. and it's clear like they actually have romantic chemistry mm-hmm. every time they're on screen. The first time you meet him, he's sleeping in her bed in her trailer out in the wilderness. And and you wonder if that means anything, but guess what? The movie is just going to say, "Let's ignore that." Like clearly what that guy would do is he would ask her on a date. Mm-hmm. That's clearly what what he would do, and I don't know. It was just it was just a thing that stuck out because the chemistry between the actors was so noticeable to me, and I didn't I didn't. <clears throat> it seemed like an obvious thing to pull the trigger on or gesture at, but you can't, of course, because this is in between Avengers movies where this character doesn't exist, and then she dies. so right.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting that they even wanted to, because they did want to gesture at it, like they didn't want yeah, it to be called yeah. amount to anything. But they wanted, I guess maybe the story they were trying to tell is, this is the life she can't have, or the thing that she can't allow herself for. Because the guy's kind of like, eh, eh. And she's like, nah. She's like, I'm going to shut you down before you even ask. And they wanted, I mean, I think that was the point there. But it's a weird point to even it's have weird. in the movie. <clears throat> Well, as long as we're talking about the sex politics of this movie, let me bring up the other major thing that I've heard some people comment on. But I think it's worth knowing. There's an extended uh, scene that I thought was being played for humor about the fact that their their uteruses have been removed. You know, the plot point from Age of Ultron that Black mm-hmm. Widow can't have kids because her reproductive organs. One of, it's one of the things they do in the Widow program as they mm-hmm. they take away their reproductive ability and in Famously, in Age of Ultron, it was played as part of her tragedy. And then famously, some feminists were mad at that. Like, are you saying the only thing a woman's good for is reproducing? And if she can't do it, then her life has no meaning. Is that what you're saying? And I think maybe even Joss Whedon apologized for it. Mm, he probably did. But whether he apologized for it or not, they got in trouble. So here, we gesture to the same plot point. Huh. And then there's this kind of... Jokey Marvel scene where the women are sort of baiting David Harbour's pathetic father figure by describing in detail the the
0: the horrible mutilation of their bodies. The, yeah,
1: and then <sighs> they just keep in the Florence Pugh character who's kind of you know cute and her outspokenness is kind of her character. There's a better way to phrase mm-hmm. that, but you know sure. what I mean. She's she's brass and brass. She's brash. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, she, she she says what's on her mind. She's mm-hmm. one of those kinds of characters.
0: Mm-hmm. It's usually that's some form of vulgarity mm-hmm. in the first half of the movie. Anyway, just fine script writing job.
1: Great script writing job. So anyway, there's Very this clever. scene where she's just like, and then they cut this open, and then they do this, and then they dice this, and David Harbour's like, Ugh, ah, stop it, you I don't, don't need to know anything. No need to be so clinical and nasty. Right. And I don't know, it felt felt pretty offensive to me. felt like a wink at the whole whedon thing i mean there was a i guess you could argue there was an element of tragedy to it or something like that but i'm not sure that that wasn't just me bringing the tragedy to it because i think of that as a tragic thing the movie i mean why do you even include that it's just it's in poor taste to even
0: i don't know i when i watched it i didn't i thought it was trying to give some actual weight a moment of actual weight and put this stupid dad back on his heels. And I know that that's part of the comedy, but it did feel like they're, they're in some sense, their sincere attempt to say, Wh- whatever, these characters were horribly abused. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, it, it is in poor taste either way. And it doesn't, it's, you, you've got that weird dual message of, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's like feminists are going to object that, this character, these characters, had that happen to them, maybe. Right. But then they're going to object that we would that, feel that we particularly would feel bad. bad about that. It's just about total control and autonomy. Mm-hmm. And but again, the movie, the, the the flavor of the movie is that it actually wants families or something. It's just so weird.
1: Yeah, they really. I mean, this might be one of the more egregious examples of have your cake and eat it too that I can think of in modern Hollywood. They really want you to have the feelings that you would get from a wholesome family reuniting movie. And they mm-hmm. really want to mock belittle and subvert that at every other turn. And they really want to do both things sincerely. And it's like you you, you cannot simultaneously celebrate family and tear down the patriarchy. You just can't. Family is based on the patriarchy. It's really weird.
0: It is. It is weird. It does. It makes the movie feel schizophrenic. Well, and I hope that people feel the schizophrenia.
1: I feel like Marvel and these kinds of movies have us battered down enough and conditioned enough. Many of us <laughs> th- that we just that we just eat our popcorn and think, hey, that was an entertaining scene, or oh, that wasn't as good of a scene, and are th- th- some sort of reaction to the movie is, were there enough. Sp- individual moments that we liked that we liked. But you should think actively as you watch this movie and realize the individual moments do not go together. They don't feel like they were even made by the same filmmaker often. And that applies to the action that applies to the moral (laughs) fiber of the movie that applies to some of the performances. Yeah. Like this is just a series of unconnected moments like that first 10 minutes. Great little mini movie nothing like that again little moments of artistry or ingenuity or whatever but it's really disconnected so my suggestion to people is uh, take these movies seriously like demand that it tell you a story Mm -hmm. and then try and think about what that story is like 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 give them the benefit of they're thinking human beings they put some time into this script what were they trying to say and then you'll be able to say with us who knows (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> Who knows?
1: <laughs> but you have to feel the schizophrenia. Yeah. Should we yeah. talk about the, anything else about the plot, dramatic structure?
0: I don't know. I mean, you're you're still going to come back to your, what you teased, right, about the themes of the movie? Yes, yes. We'll talk about the themes some more in a second. Are yeah. you not entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh. So, no, I don't think so.
1: Let's talk about the the characters and the performers in this movie. Yeah. Uh, sure. So you got, uh, well, okay. So let me just give my big theory on Scarlett Johansson. Oh yeah. I said it. Yeah, so this, yeah, this is the thing I teased at this the very right beginning. Thing. I think her career ironically is very close to the career of a black widow in this. She has been selected, bred, trained, and used for her sexuality primarily for the last, 20 years of her life or however long she's been acting. Shh. And I think it's actually evident in her performance in this movie. So I think let me see if I, there's a clear way to explain this. I remember Woody Allen did a movie called Match Point maybe 10, 15 years mm-hmm. ago, maybe even 20 years ago now in which Scarlett Johansson played the seductress and she's very sexually provocative in that movie and I remember reading a review of that movie where the reviewer I thought had a very good point. He just said this is a woman who is not particularly sophisticated, like Scarlett Johansson, as a woman and as an actress, as a performer. She's not particularly sophisticated in any of the facets of what she brings to the role, but she's very sophisticated in her seduction. This is a woman who has a highly developed sense of her own sexuality huh. and not a highly developed sense of her emotional center, of her spiritual, you know, of all the different facets of self that you could develop. This is a woman who has a highly developed sense of sexual self and not much else. And the critic said, this is why male filmmakers, old pervs like Woody Allen, love to work with her because she's young and she's innocent in so many different ways, but not in this one way. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's Marilyn Monroe. It's kind of kind of what you look for in an actress a lot of times. And you can see that in the first Avengers movie that she appeared in, Iron Man 2, where she really is just the eye candy. I mean, there's not a lot to that character. I think you can see it in the semi-lesbian way that Sofia Coppola shoots her in Lost in Translation, which uh, starts with a shot of her butt, as I recall. Clothed, but still we linger there for a long time and it's just, she's sexualized. And I think Scarlett Johansson has been trained like a black widow over the years to respond in a very warm sexual way. And I don't even mean that in a dirty way. I just mean like she's flirty. She's very flirty Mm -hmm. and it's part of her charm in, for example, the Avengers movies that She can be talking to Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans or Mark Ruffalo or whoever, and she can be so warm and alive and responsive in a way. You know, when I say uh, sexual, I don't mean, again, I don't mean vulgar necessarily or like she's got body parts hanging out or anything. I just mean, I wouldn't want to be stuck in a room with this woman alone. I wouldn't want her to be my secretary. I wouldn't want her to, because she's very alive and responsive to me as a man in a way that's
0: not appropriate.
1: Not appropriate. A woman should have the self-respect and the awareness and the other facets of herself developed enough that she does not give of herself in that way to any man but her husband ultimately. But Scarlett Johansson gives it to everybody. And what's fascinating about this movie is Hmm. she's a black widow without a target she's a flirter without someone finally to flirt with mm-hmm. and she always comes alive in a scene where she has someone to play off of and particularly a man i mean she's actually good against the bad guy uh-huh. in this movie but you watch her performance go up and down it's like when she's by herself she's pretty boring she's pretty wooden but if she has...
0: When she's when she's with her sister, she seems almost like the side character.
1: Yeah, exactly. She, she actually... Scarlett Johansson is like... She's great at responding. I mean, it's actually a very feminine quality. And it's a good feminine quality. And a lot of great actresses have this. I think, <laughs> unfortunately for her, it was developed sexually primarily to mm-hmm. start with. But I think she's become great at just being responsive. The problem is she can't just stand there and hold the screen by herself. And I think it's a byproduct of her bad black widow <laughs> train. I don't know, does this does it make sense? Yeah, I'm kind it makes of, sense? I'm mixing up my metaphors a little bit here and maybe It makes not, sense. It but, makes sense. But I think also she has because she's she's in her thirties, the bloom of her youth is starting to go away. She's still a very beautiful woman, obviously. I think other parts of her personality have been more developed. Other facets of the Scarlett Johansson self and certainly the Scarlett Johansson performative self have been more developed. She's not just The sexual creature that she was, for example, in Iron Man 2. And I think she's a little bit embarrassed that she ever let herself be used like she was in Mm. Iron Man 2. She's kind of deprecating about that at this point. It's also politically expedient for her to be deprecating Mm -hmm. about that at this point. Let's not forget that. But so she's a little bit more well rounded of an individual at this point, but she's still so much better at responding than she is at initiating. And I think part of that's that she's a woman and part of it's the particular way that Hollywood and that male directors and people have used her has, has tended to accentuate that. And so I really think she's boring when she's by herself. And I really think she's much better when she's with somebody else. And I think she's really much better when she's with a man, even the doofus boy, you know, non-boyfriend guy. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Those, that, those scenes were much better, more interesting.
1: You want, and, and if you want to know what I mean, like Scarlett Johansson's been trained to flirt like that's what directors and people have expected of her. Just watch the warm, loving way that her eyes embrace almost any other character that she has to respond to. She'll look them up and down, she'll kind of smile, she'll be searching their face to find what's magical there. I mean, she's she's very seductive just in the way that she plays. Not not in a way that was like tempting to me. That's not exactly what I mean, but she's just another actress, famous great actress that had this quality was Ing- Ingmar Bergman. In, not Ingmar Bergman, Ingrid oh, Bergman. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> was, 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 was the male Oops. director of Manny <clears throat> and Alexander. No, uh. Ingrid Bergman, if you watch Casablanca, just watch the way that she caresses Humphrey Bogart's face with her eyes and even the face of the square jawed guy that she's stuck mm. with in the movie, whatever his name is. Right. She's just so developed in her responsiveness and it's... It's fascinating. So I think Scarlett Johansson can be a great actress when she's used in a role that allows her to do that. Well, in a role where she just has to hold the center of the screen, she's oftentimes pretty bad and pretty weird and wooden and just making weird choices with her face. Like what is she reacting to? Why is she smiling right now? You know, you compare her to a great Male movie star like Harrison Ford Who just effortlessly holds the center of the screen mm-hmm. He can be by himself He can be standing in front of a statue And trying to juggle the sand sure. And it's like you just want to watch this guy
0: Right or even to take a more recent example Like Tom Hiddleston in the Loki show Yeah he's
1: he, he's great at that
0: He's awesome at that
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So I said a lot there But that's my unified theory of Scar Joe
0: Well that brings us to what i was joking about when i said are you not entertained which mm-hmm. is that th- this is a movie about being entertained by I, I don't know i don't know how to say this without being too crass i mean scarjo is what you said i mean these these hollywood women are trained to be sexy and beat the crap out of men for the enjoyment of men yeah it's that's what this is and there here's a movie about you know breaking the evil hold of the villain over all these sexy young women who beat the crap out of men and assassinate people
1: and the movie is designed primarily for 13-year-old boys to go watch women perform for them it's
0: absolutely it's ridiculous are you not entertained you know well
1: and a male director i think would have would know what is attractive and therefore would probably if it was this assignment and he was getting paid to do it be more sophisticated about not what am I trying to say? Uh, the, the, some of the shots that are chosen in this movie without getting crass, I'm like, uh, a man would have avoided that because he would have known that lingering too long on that body part is going to be distracting to at least 50% of the the audience. But this woman director, I guess, is just thinking it's another scene in the movie.
0: I didn't really notice. I, I mean, at partly I was trying not to notice. Yeah, well, things. I... I, I, I maybe I, I blocked it
1: out. I think it's good that you didn't notice and uh, you know but
0: <laughs> but there it is <laughs> there it is <laughs> uh,
1: like a, a Rousseau, actually i think to take right. an example would would avoid certain things but but anyway that's well enough said there probably it
0: makes you wonder how many how many more times i mean well how many more times are we going to watch women break the patriarchy for the sake of the entertainment of young males Probably a lot.
1: As long as we do this podcast, we'll probably have to review a couple of them a year or something like that. I mean... pretty tiresome.
0: Yeah. It just made me think about the difference between comic book reality. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, literal physical comic books, right? Mm -hmm. Paper and ink and movie comic book reality. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact that you can get away with a Black Widow character in the comic books... That you cannot capture with a flesh and blood actress. Yes. Of uh, you, you, you can create a fictional illustration of a woman who doesn't says things in a consistent way, has you know, a nice physique, shall we say, mm-hmm. an exaggerated physique, and and you can you can you you can make us believe reading this comic book, which it's probably better not to read that this woman exists that she's such and such tough that she's such and such such pretty that she has whatever quality she has but when you port them on screen to a real actress who is soft and warm like Scarjo mm-hmm. and when and when and then when you then then when you think about the reality of what's happening and who the audience is for this movie and for other women who beat up men on the screen you realize that it's a total fake mm-hmm. <laughs> That Black Widow comic book character is a total fake. Yeah. Could, could could never exist. No women exist like that. No women exist who simply love to dominate men and yet are somewhat wholesome in some way. Yeah, there 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 is the utterly perverted dark version of that, but it doesn't look like you know. There it might. Is, it doesn't look like ScarJo being Black Widow.
1: There might be a woman who had her version of the real Red Room and traded her femininity. That's for, right. To for, you know, killer instincts. But That's right. It's it's always a trade. It's a trade, and, and what this movie it's wants to tell you is
0: you can have both,
1: which is just so stupid.
0: Which <laughs> is result. what the, the the comic books told us that for years, and I believed it as a kid.
1: Yeah, I don't think I thought about it much. You know, it was interesting re 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 relitigating re, re the Matrix on this podcast because yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like, did I did I think much one way or another about Trinity the first time I saw that movie? I don't think so. Mm-mm. I just but watching this movie now, I was just struck again, and I think it's one of the reasons why it's, the action scenes are bad. In fact. It's like, you know, if you really look at what they're doing, if you really pay attention to individual shots, they're not running that fast. They're not, the sound effect might be telling you they're punching that hard, but it doesn't look like they're punching that, that would actually hurt that much. This is all really fake. And there's a reason our big climax, there's beyond everything we've already said, needed to just be CGI debris. It's the same reason that. There was a lot of CGI debris in that last Indiana Jones movie because Harrison Ford was too old and too slow to just do it. And ScarJo is too much of a woman to just do it. Now, they've you know, you might argue against me and say, what about the scenes in Iron Man 2 or the famous scene in Avengers? Like, there's there's ways of mitigating that. There's ways of using her body in a way that kind there's, of makes sense.
0: There yeah, there are there there's ways of doing women martial arts things on screen that make some visual sense and probably I don't know. You have Gina Carano who's kind of a gross person and she's very butch mm-hmm. when she's in the Mandalorian and other things cuz she's an actual w- woman MMA fighter. Right. And she actually could beat the crap out of me. I know I'm, I'm, I know, I know she's very yeah, well trained. Lots of women that could beat out And, them, and yeah. so and so when she, when she does things on screen you believe it more because there's, there's just things that you can't fake, I guess. Right. But when she does things on screen, it's actually even grosser. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know what to say about that.
1: We've I've said some things before. Well, the nice thing about Gina Carano is you're like, oh, I wouldn't want to be with that. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm sorry if that's yeah. offensive to put it that way. But it's like she actually has traded a little bit of her femininity that's right. in order to have some, some – plausible killer instincts yes but the total lie that black widow is telling that you can have this gorgeous babe with a gorgeous babe you know uh swimsuit body and also you know she's a killer she can do all this stuff
0: and she's and she's like sweet and (laughs) deferential yeah she's sweet and feminine (laughs) it's the whole package (laughs)
1: except for there is no package like that it does not exist.
0: And it's a violation of nature to want that package to exist. Right.
1: And, and let me ruin the movie for you. If you like these kinds of movies, start to pay attention. Watch the individual shots because I was watching this time and you will see how much they are cheating by cutting away, by That's cutting right. quickly. But like, you don't actually see ScarJo do a lot of athletic stuff in this movie. You see CGI avatars do athletic stuff you see the, her begin to do something. Uh-huh. And, but if you watch the scene I'm thinking of is uh, Florence Pugh and ScarJo are running along a rooftop at a mm-hmm. certain, in a certain early action scene. And it's like, they're running really slow, actually. Um, and I'm not trying to <laughs> beat up on women here. I'm just saying, like, their bodies actually weren't made for action. And it's hard to, in a space of a two-hour, 14-minute movie, at some point you're going to give it right. away a little bit in the <laughs> margins at least you know oh man no matter how much cgi oh man you know and the other thing that i hate about these movies that i wish more people would be more sensitive to you know i'm just thinking about our friends especially our younger friends who just go see a movie like this and they're like yeah you know it wasn't one of marvel's best or whatever and i'm like you do realize you had to watch scarjo get hit and i know it's the bad guy and you're supposed to hate the bad guy but you have to put up with an extended scene of a big burly bruiser of a man punching her in the face and that should
0: it was pretty unpleasant
1: that's pretty unpleasant and i hope it was unpleasant for you and not just unpleasant like okay the bad guy's doing the unpleasant thing but like it kind of takes you outside of the movie unpleasant like oh in order to justify my entertainment i don't know if i really want to watch this you know like it's not fun It's, it's why you know remember that charlie's theron movie Atomic blonde that i I've never seen it. I saw a preview, but it's just like, I don't want to see this actress take the abuse that she would have to take to to be a plausible John Wick type action star like it's just it's no fun for me. and I, I never thought of that about that, you know, as a kid watching The Matrix or something like that. I think God, in his mercy, has made me more sensitive to to things like that. and I think being married and mm-hmm. having to live with the weakness of your wife in an understanding way makes you more sensitive to, oh, these are the real things that a woman can do. Yeah. And and also, by the way, these are the real things that are frightening about a woman, the real things that are potent about a woman, the real Mm -hmm. things that are intimidating. Like, there's a lot that's really, really strong about a great woman. It just doesn't happen to involve beating up Russian thugs.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't.
1: Uh. And ScarJo doesn't really get to play actual feminine strength that's that's the real lie is not just that it's showing you false feminine strength but it could be showing you real feminine strength and i don't think the movie really gives you much of that maybe in the sort of maternal warmth of uh what's her face rachel weiss three yeah. maybe three percent of it there
0: three yeah. percent of it there yeah you give it to rachel weiss she knows how to do that stuff
1: yeah, well, I remember falling in love with Rachel Weiss in The Original Mummy. Not a great movie, but she she played just like a regular lady and that back as late as 1999, you could have a movie where the woman's like, "I want to go on the adventure," and then Brendan Fraser just like throws her over his shoulder and throws her in the room and locks the door cuz women can't go on adventures fighting <laughs> mummies. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: That is so sexist. Yeah, it's pretty sexist. <laughs> <laughs> would
1: you be better served to watch Stephen Summers' The Mummy than Black Widow? Yes. Yep. I submit to you that she would. <laughs> well, let's talk about, we said we were going to talk about the performances, so uh, yeah. Scar ScarJo Scar- is a character, and we talked about her at length. David Harbour, as I think we've already said. Eh, yeah, yeah, he, He's, you know, I love him. I like th- I've only seen one season of that stupid show that everybody likes, but, you know, he's great. He, he, he plays a good but the, but the movie hired him just to subvert that. That's right. After those first 10 minutes, it is just joke after joke after joke where this guy <laughs> thinks he's going to do the manly thing and then, ha ha, he didn't. He's a moron.
0: Even to the end, he doesn't really, I mean, he does kind of apologize, but whatever.
1: Storytelling logic would dictate this guy is going to keep failing and failing and failing until the climax when he pulls it all together. But they don't give him that because they kind of hate men that much. Except yeah. they don't. They're trying to split the difference, but we already talked about that. Uh, then you have Rachel Weisz. She's obviously a really good actress, mm-hmm. and you were saying she brought some, some humor or something to.
0: So well, yeah, she because she is able to play. I mean, the the movie wants to be meta about itself, even mm-hmm. down to having Black Widow's younger sister, quote unquote sister, mock her her posing in mm-hmm. the Avengers movies and stuff, and Iron Man 2. right? And it and that that's not really that funny because the movie. It's going to keep doing
1: that the whole time. It's basically two hours of ScarJo posing, so calling it out for 30 seconds.
0: Look, you we're posing and it's silly. Ha-ha. <laughs> okay, yeah, f- you, you, fine. You were posing whatever. when you signed on to the movie. Whatever. Um, it, but, but So the movie wants to play sideways to itself a little. It wants to be a commentary on the whole Black Widow franchise. Right. Franchise, whatever. And, and it, it fails. But Rachel <laughs> Wise... Is able to play, what would you say, sideways to herself? She adds, just you know, that four percent of
1: metatextual sort of. That's right. She's like, commenting a little bit on the performance. Yeah, as like she plays I it. know
0: what I'm doing. I know what kind of movie this is. I know how silly this plot point sounds. And now I'm still a serious character, and I'm in the role. But I also am alerting you that I know that I'm doing that, but I'm doing it in a way that is respectful to the intentions of the badly written role I'm playing.
1: Well, and the the reason I think she can do that is I think there's two reasons. Number one she's a really, really good actress. Yeah. Number two, she's British. And I think the British have a great line in that. I didn't realize she was British. Yeah, she is. She she does an okay American slash Russian accent in this. Huh. But yeah, I mean, Sean Connery playing the first James Bond kind of created this. We're going to play the character, but also comment on the character a little bit. You know, Ian McKellen does it, I think, really well. Yep. Or Sir Patrick Stewart. So th- these guys yeah, are all yeah. masters. Anyone who's ever done a good job playing a James Bond or a villain in a James Bond movie, these kind of classically trained. Anthony Hopkins does a good job of this kind of thing in certain roles. Like the British, the Brits, all you know, they have a, a culture of really dry humor, and I think your classically trained British actor. That's that's it's it's in his it's in his talent stack. He knows how huh. to play the material and wink at the material huh. and not ruin either thing. And, and I don't know. I I wouldn't be. I couldn't bottle it. Couldn't sell it. Don't know how to quantify it exactly. But I just know, you know, Ian McKellen can kind of be like, I'm playing a wizard, and you really believe me as a wizard. But also, come on, I'm playing a wizard.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Weiss yeah, it does that yep. kind of thing. I'm playing a spy master, lady, scientist person.
1: Here's some really boring, stupid Marvel exposition, and I'm going to play it so straight and so sincere, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to make the audience care about it, but also... Wink at it. Yeah.
0: Yep, it's pretty awesome. Without ever
1: being caught winking. That's, That's the right. trick. There's nothing campy. It's not like David Harbour just being a buffoon in this movie. Yeah. Uh, no. It's, you know... Yep. It's just a, a nice, dry... British quality. Uh, she does great. She does great. And then you have the other main characters, Florence Pugh. Indina, Indie darling, famous for a horror movie called Midsummer and some other things like that. And I thought she did really well. I thought she was a very likable character. I thought the scripts did not serve her well. Nah. But I would love to, I think what I said to you is it'd be nice to see her in something good.
0: Like her own, her own movie black widow spinoff movie nathan Is yeah that what you mean the black the white widow the white widow
1: <laughs> nice day for a white <laughs> widow <laughs> um yeah no
0: spoilers it looks like she may be in the hawkeye series yeah that's the no. credit cookie spoilers the hawkeye series what a joke gee you
1: think she's gonna murder hawkeye and just be a bad guy i think maybe they'll team up if she's in it awesome You know what I'm really tired of, by the way? This is apropos of nothing, but I am. Marvel has actually had a good line in this kind of thing, but I'm really tired of the we are obviously going to be allies, but we're going to have an action scene where we fight each other for a little while just because that's what the audience wants (sighs) to see. I mean, I understand when you've got Iron Man and Thor, you have to do that. The audience wants to see it. It doesn't matter. You know, you've yep. got it. You've got to have those characters be antagonistic for no. It doesn't matter if the script has a good reason. They just need <laughs> to fight because that's what we paid our money for.
0: Absolutely, and that was really fun.
1: But when it's ScarJo and her sister, it's like let's just get to the part where they're working together. Like let's whatever. Who cares? Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Is there any other performance? Oh, the bad guy is a complete zero in this movie. He's really uninteresting.
0: He's really uninteresting. He's still.
1: He's vaguely sort of. It's the most overtly politically political thing about this movie as you'd expect he's 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 a big broad kind of harvey weinstein looking gentleman and he's controlling all these women and he's really proud to be doing it and he has a very silly giant red digital readout (laughs) which constantly has these silly like uploading and
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. As yeah, if your yeah. giant
1: red digital readout of all the super spies would just have generic, you know, system commands on it. I don't know. Oh, that boy. That made me laugh. There's a lot of, there's not not enough to recommend the movie, but there are some funny, campy, stupid things Man, by the yeah. end. Unintentional laughs by the end.
0: There are all of them. Well, there's a lot of generic stuff like that.
1: Yeah, the bad guys. Ray Winstone, wonderful British actor and really good at playing these kinds of heavies, but they just don't give him anything interesting to do nope he might be one of the worst marvel villains come to think of it like he's just he, did, he just delivers exposition about i i found a way to use the most what did he say this was the most overtly political line the world's most something oh
0: uh, yeah yeah the the, uh, 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 the world's most abundant natural resource That's
1: abundant unnecessary or something uh, yeah. abundant unwanted
0: resource girls, girls. <laughs> That was really silly. Yeah. It it just... I
1: don't know. Sewing it on with an iron thread there, movie.
0: (laughs) We went from Iron Man to Iron Thread. Not that it has anything to say about... I mean, if you want to take this as a commentary on... Like sex trafficking. Yeah, sex trafficking. That would be the only way. Fine. Okay. So... Sex trafficking's bad?
1: Thanks, movie. I, I just... If we could just shoot a chemical at sex... Vic, traffic victims then they would realize they shouldn't be prostitutes i mean that, that's that's the other thing is it's such a narrative shortcut to have to do what this movie does which is just have pure brainwashing like not yeah we brainwashed you from an early age and taught you bad things and but, you
0: and you liked it that's what the Bourne movies do right over and over which again, which
1: gives them you know they basically repeat that formula three or four times and it's potent each time because it's a good story but this movie is just uh We literally reprogrammed your brain with pheromones and stuff. And there's a huge, hilariously stupid plot point involving the fact that ScarJo can't hurt the bad guy. Like, she can't even punch him or pull a trigger because he exudes this pheromone. And as long as she can smell the pheromone, she's not able to hurt the bad guy. Right. And it is the dumbest. I mean, it's just like, it's Austin Powers level silly. Like, What? and she 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 smashes the nerve to her nose. I'm just I'm sorry, spoilers folks, so that she can hurt the bad guy. And then she uh fixes her nose. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and her nose looks great <laughs> by the end like yeah. she breaks her own nose and then and then we don't even have any consequences for the nose breaking. Yeah, it's pretty it's, gross. It's, it's, it's 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 really silly. It's really silly. Just the fact that adults could write this stuff and think that and 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 have a reasonable expectation that society would take it seriously. It's mm. a very sad commentary on the stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, of the idiocy that we live with. Oh well, I think that's all the f- major characters. This movie's yeah. weirdly, as many Marvel movies are, it's kind of a small chamber piece among a few characters, but with lots of schlocky action scenes in between the chamber lots drama, of
0: nameless goons and. Nameless widows and none of whom amount to much of anything.
1: Well, do you have any uh, notes on the filmmaking, Ben? On the
0: oh, I think we already said most of it. Nathan, the first ten minutes is good. It's like the director was really invested, mm-hmm. and then the next uh two hours <laughs> was pretty dull and just like I mean, she she really did steal from Jason Bourne, but she didn't know how to do what he did with skill. Mm-hmm. What he anyway? Pretty, what that franchise did? Yeah with skill. Just just show, just give you the feeling. Boots on the ground, stuff coming at you from all directions. You've got to run. You've got to get away. The Jason Bourne movies are good at that. And this director d- tried her best. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be
1: condescending. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, but the, it's... Well, I, and I'm just sorry. It's a bad conceit. Mixing Bourne-style uh, realism, that kind of docu-feel, documentary-feel, with women in, you know, black Leotard jumpsuits and robot people and all the kind of fantastic stuff. It it's a really uneasy mix. Like every time you kind of feel a tug towards oh yeah, I'm just in a born movie and there's bullets whizzing all around and it's kind of scary and visceral, then we're gonna cut to a robot person and it's gonna rip you right out of it. The Russos, for all their failings, probably had the best line in of all the Marvel directors and combining, especially in Winter Soldier and combining right. that kind of documentary feel with some actual fantastic. Right. Uh, the Winter Soldier himself was a good, you believed, oh, I could just be watching this on the news, but also mm-hmm. he was a completely silly guy in a mm-hmm. robot suit, basically. Right. Um, so it's possible to do it, but man, this movie really doesn't thread that needle. Nah. At all. No. Uh, it feels like they got an, an indie director that was good at, you know, making little heartfelt movies of some sort, which is all she is. I don't think she ever did a movie that either one of us probably even heard of before this. Mm-mm. Or that anyone, anyway, it's not like it won an Oscar, but we haven't heard of it. It's just, like it just she did little indie movies. Yeah, right. And they got her to do this and… You know, it just—it feels like one of those movies that has uh, what they like to call uh, a traffic director. Like, she directed traffic. She told the camera people to go over here and ScarJo to do this. (laughs) But there's not a lot of personality to the
0: filmmaking. Unfortunately not. I mean, I could see her searching for it. Yes. I could see her searching for it action-wise in Bourne and searching for it dramatic-wise in indie films and doing her best to make it something coherent. But it was foredoomed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was indeed. Well,
1: what else is there to say about this movie? I think we've litigated the morality
0: of it pretty thoroughly at this point. I feel like we have, yeah. I feel like we have. I mean, we didn't talk about the... I guess technically Ray Winstone was Taskmaster in some sense, but everyone thought Taskmaster was the robot-looking thing. Yeah. But it turns out it's a woman. It turns out it's, yeah.
1: Which is the oldest, lamest trick in the worst movie. I always hate it when it's like, that person won the motorcycle race? He must be amazing. And then he takes off his helmet and his hair comes, and it's a woman. (laughs) (laughs) It's a gorgeous woman. It's just always the lamest thing in these movies. And this movie, uh, very ham-fisted. I already knew the twist going in. For I don't remember why. But if I hadn't, I think I would have also still known the twist because... They really telegraph it. They're they're Mm -hmm. like, whatever happened to Ray Winstone's daughter, I wonder. And then robot lady
0: bursts through the (laughs) window. (laughs) Right.
1: It's not subtle. Speaking of not subtle, just to touch on bad filmmaking again. This movie has our heroes execute the dumbest plan. This really dumb plan where they they swap bodies and are wearing masks for no discernible reason that I can tell. Just so it, just so the film can
0: you No, know, okay. I'll, I'll I'll give it I'll give it a little bit of defense. It's so that it's because Rachel Weiss is a trusted is the trusted, you know, lady spymaster scientist, and so, you know, you you dress up scarjo as Rachel Weiss in order to get her into the bad guy's chamber. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's still dumb, but But still, this movie commits
1: one of the cardinal sins, one of my pet peeves, movies that are made for idiots and that's where you have a big revelation or it's and then after the audience as anytime a movie is behind the audience it's really aggravating and this movie has a couple scenes where okay cool they were wearing masks okay we get it like enough said they they we as an audience see what the plan was it's it's taking place and then this dumb movie for idiots flashes back to show the kindergartners in the plan. audience, like, all right, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put masks on and switch places. Oh, you mean like,
0: like we just saw Like play we just out? saw you do? <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> oh, man. It was trying to be kind of cute or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they were imagining they were making like an Oceans movie or something where it's yes. like, and then the plan will come together and, uh, you know, what's his face? The jerk won't suspect that we did this. And then, you know, we cut to Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know ripping off his mask or whatever but man you have to be ahead of your audience in order to make something like that charming instead of behind them if you're behind them if, if they're like okay we got it and then you're like let us show you what we did no we 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 got it i mean to be fair <laughs> there were literal baby not literal babies but there were some very young people in this audience so maybe they needed to have the movie spelled out for them
0: maybe like, they needed to see ray winstone beat the crud out of scarjo maybe on they screen. needed to
1: see our sympathetic second lead Uh, begin the movie by stabbing someone and twisting the
0: knife into her belly the
1: knife into her belly yeah
0: this had some of the most actually disturbing violence in a marvel movie i must be wrong but because there's there's a lot of violence in a lot of marvel movies i
1: would say james gunn is more disturbing because he's a sick perverse individual but in terms of just kind of unintentionally disturbing just like eh, we're just gonna have a stabbing and we're gonna make it more visceral for for no particular reason this movie had a lot of that kind of thing. And it was weirdly calloused, I thought about. Like, for example, they wipe out, our heroes wipe out a whole prison. And we've kind of maybe established that the prison
0: is full of psychopaths and run by sadists. And and maybe that it'll be okay because they're all going indoors, but it's really like they're all going to die, like it's mountains collapsing on this prison.
1: Yeah. And we're having our heroes shoot people and blow up people. And it's like, Come on, movie. I understand you're an action movie. We want to shoot some people and blow up some people. I get it. I'm not an idiot. But can you just give me thirty seconds of these are the most evil Nazi prison people? You know, and I know even that morality is often eh, you know not helpful to watch. But give me some reason to feel okay about this whole prison being wiped out and and. I don't always like the way that move that Hollywood skirts over those kinds of moral issues. Like, oh, the guards are evil. But for them to not even feel the need to address it, that's both lazy and kind of immoral. Like, <sighs> eh, We just, our heroes are just, we can just wipe out who we want in pursuit of our goal. And we expect the audience to be so lazy and so dumb and so passive and so thoughtless that they're not even going to question us wiping out an entire institution that could very well be full of... We know at least one semi-innocent, likable character got put in that prison.
0: Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that till you mentioned it. But yes, I was thinking the same thing.
1: Well, and there go again. You can do the silly thing that the Ang Lee, the wonderful Ang Lee Hulk movie does, where every time Hulk destroys a plane
0: <laughs> we have to see a guy like pop out in his parachute <laughs> yeah, open yeah he's, yeah yeah
1: he's okay it's
0: all right <laughs> uh and lee's hulk is kind of charming in that regard like it, very few people actually die in it's, that movie it's
1: very charming they go out of their way to make sure okay we know the hulk's a rage monster but you know in this universe this is a moral universe and so the gods <laughs> of this universe they're just not gonna let a bunch of random innocents die which i appreciate. This movie has any number of scenes. There's another big car chase where the the bad guy's car is just ramming cars. And I get irresponsible car collateral damage as a part of Hollywood for, you know, at least since the French connection in the 70s. But a little lip service
0: to civilians yeah, not yeah, getting yeah, hurt. Yeah, it's like from you go from one kind of perfunctory action sequence to the next and it feels very much like painting by numbers. Now we put in this one. This one's going to be bigger because it has to be bigger and have more explosions. And again, the scriptwriters, the director, they're just not thinking about the moral element. Mm. They're not thinking about,
1: I don't know, they're just not thinking. <laughs> I do. I think like that guy that was shooting his machine gun from the tower at Florence Pugh and then she yeah. blows him up with a rocket. Yeah. It's like, you know, he was defending the prison. That's his job. Uh, at least the Matrix, when they kill those guards. I think we get kind of an intentional perverse thrill out of it. Like, oh, these are, our heroes are borderline psychopath here. Like these people are still plugged in. They deserve to die. This is awesome. I mean, which is evil, but at least there's a decision being made there. Yeah, It's not just, oh, our audience won't even think about that. They're just dumb sheep that are eating their popcorn. So we don't have to think about it either. To me, that, that almost feels more irresponsible. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, And immoral. Like, yeah don't just blow up the poor tower guard <laughs> for a joke and then have Florence Pugh say something quippy. Like, uh, deal with it. At least establish that it's he's an evil prison guard or something. <laughs> I don't know. Or show him jumping out of the tower, you know. <laughs> and would it be contrived? Like, why did he survive the tower jump? Yeah, but, you know, Hollywood's been doing that kind of thing since since John Wayne. Oh, this guy jumped out of the 30-foot tower, so I guess we don't have to worry about him. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is just a lazy, um, witless, poorly thought out little cinematic excuse. Um,
0: cinematic disaster piece. disaster, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, Ben, I don't know how many uh, Florence Pews out of <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. There's got to be a <laughs> is it, isn't
0: there a MacGuffin or something? How many
1: red many? vials of oh. uh <laughs> <laughs> salvation juice or whatever
0: that stuff is. <laughs> Do I like, to give this movie? This
1: movie is so silly, folks. It's so stupid, and it doesn't mean to be. Like, there's a way to kind of be campy about this kind of thing and lean into it, but this movie really expects us to take it seriously when we have these brainwashed super soldiers all doing their, like, brainwashed super soldier dance, and then we're going to throw red smoke in their face, and they're going to be like, what? oh, like they're waking up from a dream. Right. Like, that's the kind of thing. Like, Naked Gun had a plot like that. Like, O.J. Simpson was trying to kill somebody or something. <laughs> It's it's really silly. It's really silly. It's really silly. And and not intentionally so, I don't think. I think they, they just think we're that stupid. And maybe we are that stupid, but it's kind of insulting. Anyway, what's, what unit of quality are we going to use for this movie, Ben?
0: Uh, uh d- Man, it's so hard. Yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know what unit of quality to use, Nathan.
1: So you got red salvation vials. You got like weird nightstick glowy nightstick fighting things which featured weirdly at the end of the movie but i don't remember being set up
0: Mm, yeah she she was always carrying them in her back that's what looked like swords but they were not swords they were always just those sticks but she didn't use them
1: it wasn't like florence Pugh always uses this nightstick and it's kind of symbol her character's thing and then she kills ray winstone with it and it means something it's just like oh yeah i guess she had that and now she's using it to blow up ray winstone
0: yeah there's no unit of measurement how many (laughs) how many no okay i don't i don't have a good one how Uh, many we need a bad one i guess how many buffoonish father figures out of out of five
1: (laughs) how many buffoonish father figures out of five would i give this movie zero to one maybe one is it a good like the if it has five out of five buffoonish father figures does that mean it's a good movie no
0: i made it too complicated i don't know i don't know what it means
1: uh, i don't even know what it means i guess how many red Salvation vials. Uh,
0: How many red marks in your ledger would you give this movie? <laughs> Again,
1: that's kind of a bad thing. Oh, like, no. Hold if, on. We, if
0: we hate this movie, we'd uh, give it five. I would it's think. too hard. I can't do it.
1: How many glowy night sticks, motorcycles?
0: Uh, what does this movie have? Not much. Oh, man. For all its action, sh- schlock. There's not much to, to hang on to, to there. No. Yeah. How many. There is that one cool shield, which apparently used to be the, the Crimson Soldier's shield.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: It actually, if anything, that shield is it's un- criminally underused. If you're going to have a cool thing pop yes. up in your movie, you should use it more, but don't bother.
1: Yep. Well, this is why women shouldn't make action movies, folks. Yeah. And I'm not even kidding. Okay. Well, I don't know. How many infinity stones i guess we'll just go to the larger by the way another corny thing this movie does is it gets us through the whole story and it's the very last shot of the movie not the credit cookie but the last shot before we cut to credits and they can't even rely on us to be invested enough in black widow that we're just going to use black widow's music whatever that is instead we're going to use the avengers music let's just push the button the sheep will like that they remember being entertained by that music before eat your popcorn you fat
0: <laughs> idiots <laughs> All right. How many infinity stones out of what?
1: How I many how many infinity stones are there? I don't even know. 5. five.
0: I think 5. <laughs> we should know that Jake would know. Jake would know. Jake does know. Jake's not here. Jake's not here. 5 or 6 maybe. Anyway, there's six. I want to say six. Okay, I'll give it. I'll give it one out of six.
1: <laughs> Is that too much though? You know, it's been since Tenet that I said seen a movie. It was yeah, kind of yeah, it was yeah. kind of you know, I wasn't, I wasn't actively bored or hating it. Like it, 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 it engaged my attention enough to sort of.
0: Yeah, actually, Tenet is worse in that sense.
1: Yeah, Tenet had several moments where I was just like, I would rather not be watching this. It's kind That's of just, right. This movie was
0: easy on the
1: eyes and emotion and stuff enough, I guess that like I hated it on an intellectual level but my heart was just kind of going along yeah, like marvel's competent great. enough that's true which is almost worse i mean at least tenant swung for the fences and <laughs> some people would say hit a homer some people would say struck out but uh-huh. they were trying something marvel's competent you know they don't just make things that are yeah yeah unwatchable so i don't know i don't know what that does to my infinity stone rating i'm going to say a 5 I'll say six out of six Infinity Stones for the first 10 minutes. Okay. and I'll go with you there. I'll say two out of six Infinity Stones for the first act and a half. And I'm going to say zero Infinity Stones for the last Mm -hmm. act and a half. Because the ending of this movie was very silly and very lame.
0: Oh, so lame.
1: And I, I would honestly, you know, if you have Disney Plus and don't pay for it. But if you have Disney Plus and they've finally removed the... Paywall thing and you can just watch it you might enjoy watching the first 10 minutes of this movie just as a little uh short film about yeah black widow's <clears throat> childhood yeah no it's good but then you have to turn it off because
0: it's if, all downhill it's all it really really is too it's a sharp drop off <sighs> Ugh. oh well oh well
1: oh well we went in expecting it to be bad and
0: we It was. It was.
1: <laughs> but hey, to be fair, we're not just haters because we both had nice things to say about that first 10 minutes.
0: Mm-hmm. We did. We so, did.
1: I would have loved to see that movie. Like if that was the movie, if it was a movie about like little Natasha and the, like growing up in suburbia. Or even if that was the beginning and then it was like the girls go on the run and, you know, they basically uh, just made I, Hannah. I've never seen Hannah, but I think maybe that's what hannah's about i don't know kind of yeah if, 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 if they did it if they did are you actual to the ground well here's a good final question ben could you fix this movie is there a version of black widow that would work
0: yeah but it's a version where yes actually i think that there is and i think it's a version where you, you'd have to fix so many different things you could keep the core family relationship mm-hmm. the dad couldn't be a buffoon He'd have to be more evil. He'd probably have to die in the end to sacrifice himself if you're going to redeem him. Mm -hmm. And the mom, too, actually. Yeah, I think they're both pretty culpable. They're both really culpable, and the movie does not hold them to account, actually.
1: Neither one of them. Maybe dad, because
0: it mocks him a little bit more. But mom, we just really just want to say, eh, you know. Yeah, but even dad really gets a pass. Yeah. He's kind of a lovable buffoon in the end. Mm -hmm. And then... The girls have to admit on some level that they like the bloodlust. In other words, you have to treat women like moral agents, which this movie does not give them the dignity of doing. And I know it's saying that they're put into slavery for an assassin program from their childhood, but still they're moral agents. In the movie wants to treat them like moral agents, but then not. Anyway, it's Just it's selective. Yeah. And then you'd have to actually... You'd have to have a somewhat better plot. The bad guy just stinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no fun. The stupid taskmaster drone is boring, at least as conceived. Yeah, his fortress in the sky. Ugh. His fortress in the sky is stupid. Yeah. Yet, yet another fortress in the sky. Mm-hmm. You would have to. You'd have to make a lot more of the other widows. Mm-hmm. The other widows would actually have to feel a lot more dangerous and interesting. Yeah, which would mean focusing more on a few of them maybe yeah because this what this movie doesn't do is give you the sense that there actually is this big shadow network of women assassins it just says there is and here they're coming down to shoot at scarjo and here they're in this room together but it doesn't give you a sense of what they're like kind of like kind of like how batman begins failed to give you the idea of this actual shadow ninja network tells you about it but you never feel look there's bruce wayne he's fighting with these other ninjas in this training sequence well Who are these other ninjas? What are their thoughts? Like, what do they actually do in the morning for breakfast? Like, what do they talk about? The movie gives you zero of that. It only gives Mm -hmm. you Ducard. And that's maybe a dumb analogy, but I feel like I don't know anything about these other black widows except that they're victims and that they shoot at Scarjo and that then they're all like a beautiful sisterhood when they're finally set free from the evil oppressor. And that's really boring and it actually gives them no dignity. If you want to make a movie about them and about Scarjo freeing them or something then you actually have to show me a little bit more of them somehow mm-hmm. or give them some weight. And so this movie it would take a total rehaul. Yeah. But I think you could keep the core family conceit. That's a great conceit.
1: Yeah, it's good and you could you could do all those things deftly. I mean I just as you're talking you I'm, th- I'm imagining the first, you know, wonderful did we talk about this on mic somewhere? The, the did the Doug Liman uh, born movie where they activate all the sleeper agents or oh, whatever? yeah, yeah. we just have that wonderful montage where you know Clive Owen, what is he teaching piano or something? Yeah. And you have all yeah. these different guys be activated, and they're all just living their lives, <laughs> and in in the space of maybe ninety seconds with That's techno right. music blaring, and you know, yeah. We have this whole network of guys that are out there and it really and
0: they've been activated
1: and, and, they're, it, coming and Jason they're coming for they're coming they're converging it, on him and you've done so much work and it's so cool
0: it was so cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the most fun sequences ever in a movie like yeah, that yeah it's great it's oh. so exciting
1: you're just like oh this movie's doing this this is great
0: all these guys they're all gonna fight him yeah and,
1: and then the movie has each of them show up and they all have their own little specialty and you know and <laughs> it's and, great and clive owens a little bit more dignified than the others he gets some dialogue and mm-hmm. you know you could have done something similar and it would have taken almost no time to do something with the widows that yeah. made you feel like this movie was like actually about the widows
0: yeah yeah that's right <clears throat> i mean yeah so there would have there are ways to actually write this movie and make it cool and interesting and use the acting power of david harbour and rachel wise to good effect but mm-hmm. yeah
1: i'm realizing this movie is not really about maybe many marvel movies are that but like this but weirdly it's it's not about its plot is it like the movie cares about the family no. dynamic but it doesn't care about the
0: no 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 the
1: widow stuff it's just that's just like a thing that they that's have like to do that's like tacked on and if we can if we can score a few political points and have a villain that everybody'll hate great but we're
0: not making a, a movie where no it's only a movie about family reconciliation that's all that it is yeah it's not actually a movie about bringing down the man it just pretends to be,
1: yeah. But in in really the most boring way, <laughs> in the most the most boring way, yeah. Like come on, movie, L- like at least you know do the job. It makes it gives you some respect for Black Panther, which like it or lump it integrates its themes. Right. Like Black Panther is a movie about what it's about. Yes. like the director very has something true. to say about race and about all this stuff. And very true. And you may not agree with it. I don't think that I do. But you you know the movie is thematically unified and saying yeah. something and this movie just it doesn't seem to feel the need to do that it, it thinks like oh, we can gesture at that and people will be so grateful that we're gesturing at that that we won't even have to you know here's a bad guy he looks like Harvey Weinstein we haven't done anything to motivate him or set him up or even say what he's after or anything but if we just give you that guy you'll hate him so much that you'll really be invested in that
0: I mean this movie isn't even doing the the feminist work of Wonder Woman mm-hmm where you have a maid character, you know, say that she wants to be liberated like Wonder Woman, right? Right. It's not even doing that much work. It doesn't do any work to extend. I don't know. It just it just fakes it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's 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 really. I mean, I've, I've said this multiple times now, but it's really insulting. Like,
0: at least give me the
1: dignity of thinking I'm smart enough that you need to subvert me with your feminist propaganda and then do some good feminist propaganda (laughs) don't just gesture lazily at these Mm -hmm. things and think that that means anything for anybody you haven't done the work of a good propagandist you haven't done the work of a good storyteller you just haven't done the work you're just being lazy yeah and that's not cool it's not cool and Scarjo, you're an executive producer on this and presumably you had some say so i know you're a big listener of this podcast i'm sorry to have to say it but for shame You should have done better.
0: You should have done better.
1: You should have have said scar no to this version of the script. Yeah. Do a rewrite. Whatever happened to rewrites, you know? I mean, how many times did you? Go go rewrite this. Like, integrate the bad guy. Make the plot. You know, make those widows mean something. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. I guess they made their money.
0: No, I'm sure they did.
1: Although it had a really big decline the second weekend, and people are worried about that. Oh, good. Arguing about whether Disney Plus did it or, you know, I don't think it was. I think there wasn't as much demand for this movie because it's not as, it's not a story that really needs to be told, that just begs to be told. And also, it's just not the kind of movie that's going to inspire a lot of repeat business or a lot of like, Hey, I know you don't usually see Marvel movies, but you should go see this one because it's really good. Yep. You know, that's a Black Panther or an Iron Man or something or an Avengers. Mm-hmm. They can, they, they get that kind of business. But right. This, this movie was only made for the, the people who already bought their ticket before the movie mm-hmm. came out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't made to reach anyone else.
0: <sighs> yep. Okay.
1: Well, we've spent enough breath on Black Widow. It was interesting to talk about. Yeah, it was much more fun to talk about than it was to watch. To watch. Yep. True. So.
0: True. Hooray. Yay.
1: Will there be a Black Widow 2? There can't be, right?
0: I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think One so. One hope's
1: not. Black Widow 2. Resurgence. <laughs> <laughs> Would be the little uh, thing like that.
0: Black Widow 2.
1: No, it wouldn't even be 2. These days they just do Black Widow colon.
0: Oh, right, right.
1: Whatever. Black Widow 2, Retribution. Black Widow 2. <laughs> uh,
0: Black Widow... Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know.
1: Me neither. But I do know you can go to patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies. Support this podcast. Help us continue talking about the Black Widows and the spider man and all the things that you want us to talk about. Patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies. You can also hear us read the script for Star Wars: Duel of the Fates, the rejected Star Wars script. You can hear uh, me and Jake talk plenty about Clone Wars. You can hear our Loki reviews. There's, I dare say, many, many hours of quality infotainment. Oh yeah, behind that paywall, they are there. They are there. So I don't know. Sign up for a month, listen to it, and then cancel. (laughs) I mean, I'm I can do nothing to stop you. I'll activate my sleeper (laughs) agent, (laughs) my beautiful woman assassin to come after you if you do that
0: i guess i can do that but it'll be too late because they're they'll already be signed on to a recurring donation so yeah that's how
1: i get you <laughs> <laughs> the real ray Winstone. that's right is <laughs> <It's> me Wow. <laughs> oh. okay all right that's enough that's enough maybe jake will eventually watch it and have some thoughts but maybe he was out of town this week i guess we never said why he wasn't here but he was at a camp
0: yep Speaking at the chapel, the yeah, he
1: chapel. Basically, be being the chaplain for a camp. So, he was mm-hmm. arguably a more noble use of his time than hanging back with us and watching Black Widow. Arguably, yes. All right. Patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies. And be sure to review this show on your podcast app of choice. I never, I always forget to say this boilerplate. And, you know, subscribe, share, stuff like that. It helps us make the show. So, Share it with your friend. Your friend probably is like a dumb sheeple that likes Black Widow. Send it to him. Or her. Somehow I think boys are more likely to be tricked by this one. Because men are dumb. They're buffoons. I don't know. Maybe little girls are actually enticed by this crap. But what a sad society that is. Okay, until next
0: time. Pain only makes you stronger. Was that what, was that the line or was it Suffering only makes you stronger I don't
1: know is there anything else Any other memorable lines It from still
0: one? fits I can say that one It still fits It still fits